Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Good morning, everybody. My name's... Thank you. I have good friends. I love y'all. Good morning. My name's Carissa, and I am going to be bringing you the first of five words this morning. So I want to start off with this question. Do you ever have these really deep thoughts? Like, I'm talking about it's this moment, and you're there, and you're thinking, and it's so deep, and it's so profound, and you kind of startle yourself with how intelligent this question is. You're like, wow, there's a Confucius up there. Like, I, I'm thinking big things. Well, this happened to me one time, like a few weeks ago. And it was this stirring question. It was this burning question. And the question was, what is the point of a visor? Now, no, no, no. While this may be old news to some people, this was new news to me because in all my years of living, there was no soundproof, substantial evidence that gave a visor a purpose. Because in my world of visors, it was golfers and it was grandmas. And I thought it, for golfers, it was just part of this getup, like it was just part of their fit. And for grandmas, I thought it just created this perfect space for them to poof out their hair. I did not know that there was actually a purpose. And here's another one, in sync. They made it a fashion statement. They wore visors in one of their movies. I know that, or one of their music videos. I know they did. The point I want to make today. Oh, I want you to hold on to your hats because my verse is First Peter four ten. It says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So. Do you ever have these deep thoughts, like super deep thoughts? I'm talking profound. And sometimes it kind of sounds like, what is the point of my life? What is my purpose? The point of truth I want to bring to you today is your purpose is unique to your service. So lo and behold, a visor does have a specific purpose. There is a whole on the top, which creates this space for extra ventilation so that those of you with that thick, thick hair doesn't get hot and sweaty underneath a, say, baseball cap, while also shielding your face from the sun. The purpose of a visor is unique to what it does for our heads, just like your purpose is unique to how you operate in your very own giftings. Because they are so unique, they do come with a challenge. Purposes come with a challenge. You may say, I don't feel very stable, and I kind of feel a little bit empty, like there's a hole, and I just don't measure up to those that may be standing beside me. You know, I've done this before with my very own gifts, and I'll be up here on the stage leading worship and I'll look to the right of me and I see Virginia, who's flawless. 
doesn't miss a note. I look to the left of me, and there's Portia that can nail riffs that I can never do. And I ask myself, am I just taking up space? But the thing is, just because a visor doesn't measure up to, say, a cowboy hat, it doesn't disqualify it from being a hat. A visor doesn't just put itself back on the shelf because a visor can't do what a cowboy hat does, just like a cowboy hat can't do what a visor does. If you look at a cowboy hat, it has this wide brim. And yes, while another hat, it still shields from the sun, but it also protects from the rain. It also protects from the wind. And not only that, Cowboys can use it to dip it in a creek to provide water for himself and for his horse. That's something a visor could never do. So just because a visor is another hat, it doesn't disqualify itself from doing its purpose. And you know what? I'm kind of sick of our purpose always being under attack. Because if we continue to do this comparison game, we will continue to discount our very own gifts. And that completely disqualifies ourselves from stewarding the grace that God has called us to love people and to serve people. Just this last week, I had a conversation with two of my very best friends who serve in almost every ministry of this church, and we're out there in the parking lot, and we're opening up to each other about how many times we've just wanted to throw in the towel. But each of us has a specific gift. Each of us has a purpose, and we were uniquely made to use that gift and to use those purposes to serve one another and the people that we love. I'm going to close with this last picture of just uh, something that happened this week. We were having our local missions, and we ended it at the city pool um, with House of Faith, and this really awesome thing happened where there were several barbers and, and hairstylists that came and offered free haircuts for all of the kids. And, you know, they're all there in a line. We had Mauricio out there, and we had Ashley from our very own church. And you know what? Just because they both cut hair doesn't mean that they aren't going to have a different reach. The people that sat in Mauricio's chair were completely different people that sat in Ashley's chair. The thing of the matter is if we aren't using our specific gifts, think about all the people we miss an opportunity to love on. So whatever you're fashioned for, maybe you're you're more of a caring and warmth person. You're there to serve people and love on them and provide warmth. Maybe you're someone who's there just to be, to, to provide shade for somebody while also creating this space for them to live and talk and breathe and, and, and live in their, in, their, in their own calling. Or maybe you're someone that's sturdy and stable and you're peace for somebody. Whatever it is, however you're knitted together, however you're fashioned, there is a purpose. And it's to serve others and to love on others. Verse 11, one more verse down from 1 Peter 4.10, it says, so whatever, so whatever you do, if it's to speak, then speak. If it's to serve, then serve. If whatever your calling is, if it's to lead, then lead. Using everything we have to serve each other is part of fulfilling our purpose as God's set-apart people. So whether you're a visor, you're a singer, you're a beanie, or a preacher, your purpose is unique to your service. Thank you.
Good morning, Celebration Church. What? That's right. What's poppin', y'all? I'm Weston. Well, not yet. I'm Weston Clark, in case you didn't know. There it is. Big, bold letters. That's awesome. Never seen my name so big in my life. It's pretty cool. It's pretty neat when you're up here. You get to see your name really big. Anyway, I'm bringing y'all a message that I have titled, and if you like notes and you like to do titles like I do, it's called Favor Ain't Fair. And I'm coming out of Proverbs 8.35. And that says, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. And the point of truth that I would like to look at for the next few minutes is that living a life in Christ is living a life of favor. So a few years ago, back when I was living in Dallas going to Bible school, I got a job as a valet at one of the bougier hotels in downtown Dallas, right? And some of them hotels are bougie. But for me, being a car guy, this is like the perfect job. I'm getting paid and tipped to drive other people's cars. It was fantastic. But not all of them were super cool, right? You know, you have like your rental cars. People will come in or like your soccer moms, you know, or like the Mary Kay convention. Hello, Suburban's out the wazoo. But every once in a while, you would get like the coolest of cars to come in. And this day was one of those days. It was a Friday. And I wasn't even supposed to be working. I needed money for pizza. I mean, be real honest, I had to eat, and I ate a lot of pizza. So I was going to pick up a shift. So I pick up this shift, and I'm rolling in, and I go into work. And out of the corner of my eye, parked over here in our bullpen, is a brand new 2019 all-white, black wheel, red caliper Lamborghini Aventador. My jaw hit like the bottom of my car, right? Basically could have scraped on the ground. It was like so low. And I am cheesing as well ear to ear, giving the joker a run for his money for who could smile the biggest. Like I am like mad cheesing. So I park my car. I go into work. I clock in, all that good stuff. I start working. And throughout the entire shift, everybody is arguing over who's going to get to drive this car. It's like the whole talk, right? So everyone's arguing over who's going to get to drive it. They're all like, you know, well, I've been here longer, so I should get to. And they're like, well, you've wrecked two cars, and I've only wrecked one, so I should get to, which doesn't make any sense at all of why you should get to if you've wrecked one. But moving on, this other guy's like, well, I'm like twice your age, so I should get to. And I'm like, you're 40 working a valet. I mean, nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying, right? <laughs> and so I'm standing in the back, and I'm like not even going to throw my name in the hat. I've been there like six months it's not even my shift. I'm still like the new guy. So I'm like, not even going to worry about it. I'm not going to throw my name in. It's not going to be me. So we keep working. And like, you know, everyone keeps arguing. And finally, my manager comes out and goes, look, none of y'all are going to get to drive this car. It's either me or the other manager that's on shift. And we're all like, uh, fair, right? Like, that's fair. It's a $400,000 car. Like, that's fair. This guy who wrecked a Honda should not be able to drive the Aventador. I'm just saying. <laughs> so the shift continues and everyone quits talking about it and eight o'clock rolls by and I'm out on the drive and my manager is like looking around and he's like Weston and I'm like yes and he goes boss just called me I need to run over to this other lot something happened and the other manager is already at a different lot because something else happened and this guy needs a, his car pulled around like right now. And I'm like, cool, I got you, no problem. He hands me the key, I don't even look at it, and I start heading for the garage. And as I'm walking over there, I look down at the key, and it's the Lamborghini key. I'm just saying, Eminem said it best, knees weak, palms are sweaty, right? This key 
This key is worth more than my entire car. So if I drop this, I'm like walking to work from now on. So I start walking over to the car, and I'm like straight up shaking. Like if I had a glass of water in my hand, it would have been empty three steps later. Like I'm shaking hardcore. I unlock the car. The mirrors like fold out really cool, and the lights like in the front like glow up like Tron. Like it's like 8 o'clock, so it's still pretty bright, but that's like the brightest thing outside right now. And I walk over, and I start messing with the car, and I find the handle, because to be real honest, I had no idea where it was at. <laughs> and I open it. And it's not like one that swings out like normal. No, 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 no. This door goes straight up. And all I hear is like the Frozen 2 song. It opens and it goes, ah. And I'm like, this is my moment. And so I get into the car. It's super low. So I'm like half like pistol squatting, basically just falling in. I close the door. I'm looking around. I find the ignition. I click it. And the car goes, and the V12 drops. And I'm telling you, I could have peed myself out of excitement. I'm a big car guy. I love loud engines. That's about as loud as it gets right there. So I'm super nervous. I don't know how to put it in drive. I'm looking for a little gear shift, you know? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm like, we're going to click this little paddle and we'll see what happens. So I click it and we start rolling. And I'm only going like six miles an hour, but I could have sworn like if I touched the gas at all, I was going back in time. And as I'm looking around, all of the guests are just stopped looking. And I look, and all of the other valets are like running out of the garage trying to find out like who's driving the car. And they're all just like, <laughs> as the car rolls by. And so I pull up to the front. I have no idea how to stop the car. Put my foot on the brake. That's a good step. And I look down, and I'm like, this is a button with a P on it. We'll go with that. So I click it, and I take my foot off the brake, and it doesn't move. So I'm like, golden. I don't look dumb. I open the car door. I hand the guy his key. And everybody, once they saw it was me, went from to, like, really fast. I don't even care. I run straight into the office, and I call my dad. And I'm like, Dad, guess what? I just drove a Lamborghini Aventador. And he's like, son, that's great. Get back to work. And I'm like, oh, that's true. So I hang up, and I go back outside. And I'll be real honest. I get it. I understand why they were jealous. It wasn't even my shift. I'd only been there six months. And I'm pretty sure I was 18 at the time, which also makes no sense. But, like, I understand. But when you're living a life in Christ, you're living a life of favor. Since my manager could trust me with, like, the Mary Kay Suburbans and the Nissan Sentras that were coming in, and I had done my job there, I found myself in favor when the Lamborghini rolled up. When you're living a life in Christ and a life of favor, you're going to have people that are going to be behind your back saying yes, and you're also going to have people talking behind your back, trying to tear you down. But do not be discouraged because the God of the universe has found favor on you. They're going to be like, man, this guy's only been here six months. Why does he get the promotion? Come on, like, this person's only been here for this long. Why do they get to do this? Well, they've only been serving for two months. Why do they get to be the head greeter? Or why do they get to be on leadership? But you know what? God's favor ain't fair. And that's just that. So when you're living a life in Christ, you are living a life of favor. Thank you. How you doing, Celebration Church? Had it, had it. Hey, my name is Lauren, and about a couple years ago, approximately about three years ago, I learned the importance of an anchor on a boat. Let me tell you a little story. Uh, we had some family friends come in, and they said, hey, we have a boat and some jet skis. Why don't, you, we, why don't you meet us at the great and wonderful crystal clear water of Lake Nasworthy? 
So I hop in the, I hop in a car, we go. And we're out there and we're just ripping it. If you know me outside these mega walls and I'm in the car, I like to go fast. Really fast. I might have taught Weston how to drive, but we're not going to talk about that, okay? So I'm in there. I'm in this moment. We're going and we're ripping it and we're going really fast in the boat and the jet skis and all that stuff. Well, it kind of builds up an appetite. So we go, we dock the boat, we dock the jet skis, we go have the only thing you can have on late days is a wet ham and cheese sandwich with chips in the middle, right? Yes, amen, hallelujah. That's not what we're having for lunch, okay? So we have that and we go, we're having some good conversation and we're like, round two, you ready? Let's go. We look over, the boat is not there. Let me tell you, the water was so calm. The, there was no wind. It was a perfect day. We thought we didn't need an anchor. Little did we know we needed an anchor. Today's scripture is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. The word hope means the expectation of future good. It's a promise. And in Hebrews chapter 6, a couple of scriptures before in verse 13 through 20, God is promising Abraham and Sarah that you're going to have kids. Now, let me remind you, they're old, really old, like old. <laughs> they're really old. And their God is like, hold on to this promise. You're going to have children. Yo, I'm old. You're going to have children. Hold on. Right. There are over 3000 promises in the Bible. 3000 over. There's one promise that I specifically hold true and hold on to, um, and it is, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right? Amen. I grew up in church, like, born on the second row. Like, I totally understand. My dad is preaching. My grandma's playing the organ, and I mess up, or I'm running around, and they give me the look from the stage, and you know you were going to get a spanking after church. Yeah, I grew up in church, and I went to all the youth events, like all of them, messy game night up to the big conferences, all of those things. I went to them, and one specific night I remember, they brought in this group of older college kids, and, and they did the dramas, and they did the, the words, and the, the preaching, and they did all this stuff, and it was the big moment at the end where they're like, if you're going to give your life to Christ, come up to the altar, and they're fine, and like everybody's, oh, and they warm, and they go up there, right? Well, I didn't have those things. I grew up in church. I was the good church kid, and I remember talking to God in those, in those moments, and like, why don't I have that testimony? Why, why don't I have that? Because after this moment of crying and snot facing, God, I give it to you. Those friends are going to have that moment. But Lauren didn't have that moment. And I was quickly reminded that God said, you know, way back way in your lineage, somebody said, for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Let me tell you, my dad's pastor, evangelist, he goes to churches left and right talking about God's word and prophesying and all that stuff. I have sisters that lead worship to thousands of people every Sunday. I have a, another sister who is the director of nursery. I have cousins who follow bands and all this stuff doing pictures on Instagram. It's just a simple Instagram picture, but it's content created to, leave other, to lead others to Jesus. I have an uncle that does ministry of, of painting with his hands and flips the picture upside down, and little do you know it's the line and the lamb and all this stuff and he does that for the kingdom I tell you I can go on and on I have cousins and aunts and uncles who pastor all this stuff because two people in my lineage said you know what 
For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For me and my house, Lauren will never be in need. Lauren is healed. Lauren has everything because two people in my lineage said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love the message translation of this scripture. It says we have every right to grab a hold of the promises God has given to us with both hands and to never let go. Never let go. What promise are you holding on to today? Is it the promise of healing? I know the promise that I hold on to is, is the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that healed leprosy heals anxiety today. The same God who healed the blind healed, heals cancer today. That's the promise I'm holding on to. That's the promise that I'm anchored into. What promise are you anchored into? Thank you. What is up? My name is BKLYN, and we're going to jump right on in. So, actually, my name is Brooklyn. You don't have to spell it out like that. But, um, so, I'm here to share with you today, and I'm just going to start off with my point of truth, which is, each of us have been given a space to be the proof of God's grace. I like it. You know, it rhymes. It helps you to remember things a lot easier when it rhymes. So I'm going to use the story of Esther to point out this truth. And if you haven't gone through the story of Esther, I really encourage you to, because I read it yesterday and it was really good. So you should go read or listen to the, st the story of Esther. So Esther was an orphan raised by her uncle Mordecai. And there's a big secret that they're keeping throughout this whole story, and it's that Esther and Mordecai are Jews. So just remember that and keep that for later. So in the place where they lived, the king had a falling out with his queen, and all of a sudden he was looking for a new queen. And instead of going on Christian Mingle to find a new queen, he decided that he was going to bring all the single ladies to him, and he was going to choose himself a new queen. So they go through this whole process that took about a year, and Esther gets chosen to be the new queen. So she's the new queen, and he kind of just, like, sticks her off in a room somewhere. She doesn't really, like have anything to do. He just kind of sits there, but she's the queen. So as time goes on, the king's right-hand man decides that he is going to kill all of the Jews. Remember, Esther and Mordecai are Jews. And then Mordecai had been hanging out kind of outside the gates. He's just kind of like being a creeper, but he's listening to what is going on to kind of find out if anybody's trying to harm Esther or what is going on. He finds out that um, people are going to be trying to kill the Jews. So he sends word to Esther and is like, hey, is there anything you can do about this? She tells back to uh, Mordecai and she says, pretty much if anybody approaches the king without being summoned, then the king could instantly put them to death. So Mordecai gives her a word of encouragement that I think many of us lean on, but is my scripture verse for today, which is Esther chapter 4, verse 14. It says, for if you keep silent in this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So Esther takes this word of encouragement and it really resonates with her. So she goes and she approaches the king and they have a couple of dinners and have a couple of chats. And then finally she asks his permission you know, to release the order uh, to kill the Jews, and he does. And so she ends up saving all of her people through her faithfulness throughout this entire journey. Esther was stepping into her calling, her calling to save the Jews, to save her people. And when stepping into her calling, it included these three different things. The first thing is that it was scary. 
She was just a normal girl, just living her life. She didn't know what it was like to be a queen or be a wife. They just kind of picked her out of a lineup, and she all of a sudden had to be the queen. Number two is that there were obstacles. There were laws and customs, like the fact that if you go and talk to your husband, he could literally put you to death in that moment. Things like that, that they were obstacles and fears in her way. There were people in her way, like the king's right-hand man who was literally trying to kill other people just like her and her family. But ultimately, she had a guide. She had Mordecai who was placed in her life and who was sitting outside waiting for her and encouraging her, leading, and protecting her from afar. So those three things, you know, she encountered stepping into her calling, but ultimately she did fulfill her calling of saving the Jews. So now we're going to jump a little bit farther away and a little few years later into the year 2016 when I was in Vail, Colorado skiing with some of my friends. Now, this wasn't my first time skiing. You know, I wasn't a noob, but I also wasn't a pro. Like, I wasn't going to be in the Olympics for skiing or anything, but I had done a few bunny slopes. So we're going down. We had done our little retraining and everything, and we'd gone down a few greens, gone down a few blue slopes, and so we're feeling pretty cocky. It's like the third day, and we're going to go down a blue slope that crosses with a black slope. Now, the black slope is like the hard, hard, hard ones. But they just kind of intersect. So they're like, Brooklyn, you'll be fine. Like, it's going to be okay. It just is a little part of the black slope. And I'm like, I can't wait to tell my siblings that I skied a black slope. Because that's all that's coming out of this story, right? Well, we get on the blue, and we're going, and we get to the black part, and... It was not, it was not good. As soon as we hit that black slope, I wiped out. And what used to be a, an old knee injury was another new knee injury because my knee was gone. They had to call the ski patrol to come and get me. And they bundled me up in their little sled going behind them. And my friend decided to stay back with me. And she was going to go to the hospital with me. But they were like, hey, we don't have any room for you. I say our uh, snow jet ski. It's not a snow jet ski. What is it? Snowmobile. Thank you. I like snow jet ski. There's no room for you on our snow jet ski, so you're going to have to ski behind us. And she's like, all right, cool, thinking that we're going to take the blue slope all the way down. Well, these professional people are like, the fastest way down is the black slope. So they start going down the black slope. So she's following them, and as we start going down the black slope, she starts to get pretty scared. She had never gone down a black slope before. So she started to get scared just because things were different. It was an uncomfortable, uncomfortable place she had never been in before. When going down a black slope, there are on-purpose obstacles, which I don't really know why that's a thing, but there are moguls, there are trees, there are twists and turns and steep parts. So there are these obstacles that she had to face that she wasn't ready for. She had to follow at the speed of a snow jet ski, which was really fast. I'm talking all french fry, no pizza. No pizza. Not till we got to the bottom was she allowed a pizza. That's like stopping if you don't know about skiing. It's, it's fun. So um, then... But then ultimately she had a guide. She wouldn't have been able to do that black slope as fast as she did without that snow jet ski leading her down the way, without the ski patrol guiding her way through and giving her the path. So ultimately, whether it's 2,000 years before Jesus or it's 2021 today, when we are stepping into the calling that the Lord has on our life, we're going to face these things. Whether it's Esther 
setting the Jews free or it's my friend just fulfilling that calling in that moment of being there for me, being what I needed when I was injured, we are all going to face these things when stepping into our calling. It's going to look scary. The Lord's going to call you into places of uncomfort. Do you think it's comfortable for me to be standing on this stage right now with all of you looking at me? It's not. It's scary. You think that people who are afraid to fly, that the Lord calls them over to missions, isn't scary for them? There's, there's a place where you step out in faith and you step out into these scary situations that the Lord is calling you into, that you find that peace. There are going to be obstacles in our way. There are going to be people who don't believe in us, people who tell you you're crazy, people who are jealous of you. There's going to be sickness where you think like, oh man, I had this, I had this dream and now I'm injured or now I'm sick and I can't do that. But the Lord will use that to change the trajectory of your life, to call you into newer and deeper things. There's going to be obstacles like self-doubt where you think you're not enough. And the Lord will remind you that you are. Anxieties that might come up and you might think, I don't know how to talk to people. And the Lord will give you people and will give you peace and will give you those words. Because the Lord has left us with a guide, a guide through the Bible, through the word of Christ, through stories like Esther, but also a guide through the Holy Spirit living and breathing throughout our life and telling us how to handle these situations and step into our calling. Because we have been called for such a time as this. This is the time that we are born. This is the time that we live in now. Right now, people are saying like, oh, I want to go back to when things were normal. I want to go back to when we could all be together. I want to go back to when I didn't have to do this or didn't have to do that. But I'm here to tell you today that the future is where the peace lies. The future is where our calling lies. The future is where the Lord's promises lie. And we don't need to go back. We need to step into our calling, step into our promise. Because each of us have been given a space to be the proof of God's grace. Thank you. Hey, what's up, Celebration Church? Good morning. Good morning. Y'all feeling good today? Right on. Y'all look good. Y'all look good. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Mauricio Franco Jr. It's an honor and privilege to be here with you guys today. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to hop up in this. And uh, um, are y'all excited? Yeah? Y'all having a good time? Right on. Uh, the scripture I'm going to be diving into today is, is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Another translation says, the big truth that I'm looking at today that I want us to grab a hold of is this. Is trusting God with our life allows God to be God of our life. Trusting God with our life allows God to be God of our life. I have a quick question. I'm curious. Um, who's been on an airplane? Who's flown before? Yeah, you enjoy it. All the single people are like, catch flights, not feelings. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Flying's fun. It's a good time. But it wasn't fun for my mom when she flew for the very first time in her life last year. It was uh, June of 2020. Uh, she flew at the age of, uh, now I'm can't going to say, because if I do and she watches this, she's going to probably spank me. And uh, I might get a chancla thrown at me. And uh, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, uh, you can grow out of some things, some things you just can't. Um, 
It was, it was last year, June of 2020. I remember I was graduating and graduating from ministry school. I was in Phoenix at the time. And I told my mom, I said, uh, uh, you want to come see me graduate, mom? Like, you want to come see me walk the stage? And she said, yeah, I'd love to. I said, okay, cool, mom. Well, we're going to have to fly. And she says, what? I said, we're going to have to fly. And she says, okay, but I'm not going to do it alone. You're coming with me. And I said, okay. I buy our tickets and the day comes. It's time for my mom to hop on an airplane for the very first time. She's nervous. Uh, it's crazy. We get, to the air, we get to the airport here in San Angelo. You know, if, if you know, uh, from here to Dallas, it's about 30 minutes. Those planes are super small. Literally, like, a, a mosquito hits them and boom. You know what I mean? Like, you feel everything. We hop on the plane, and my mom uh, sits in the seat, and we buckle up. Um, and, and I remember her just being so nervous. She grabs my arm, and she's scared, and she's squeezing my hand. She's like, she, she, she's kind of freaking out. And I said, Mom, it's going to be okay. Like, we're going to be fine. It's 30 minutes. No big deal. We get on the runway, and it's time to, it's time to get in the sky. And if you've been on a plane, you know when the takeoff is poof, you know what I mean? It pushes you back into your seat. We find ourselves going up and lifting off the ground, and now we're in the sky, and my mom is freaking out. I look over to her, and she has tears running down her face. She's, yeah, yeah, thank you. She's that scared. She's that scared. And I said, Mom, we're going to be okay. No big deal. Like, we're, you know, it's going to be fine. 15, 20 minutes into the trip, I, I finally look over, and she's okay. She's finally calmed down. She's doing good. Time goes on, about 30-minute mark, we, we find ourselves over Dallas, Texas. And we're in Dallas to get our connecting flight to head to Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport. But as we're landing, we're, we're dropping. If you've been on an airplane, you know you find the plane going slowly down. It's going down. It's going down. Well, I had the windows open, and I was looking out the window, as you do. And um, there's a little kid behind me when all of a sudden we're dropping and dropping. He says, Oh my gosh, we're about to crash. How many of you know that is not what you want your mom to hear the very first time she's flying? I, I didn't look back at the kid. I really wanted to tell him something, but man, he probably would have told me something back. I, I can only imagine he was one of those kids with the silver teeth, you know? I was one of those kids. And how, man, my mom got so scared. She started freaking out. She's like, Mio, we about to crash. Like, no, mom, we're good. We're fine. Don't listen to this kid. He don't know what he's talking about. He's not in control of this flight. I'm sure this pilot has done this trip hundreds, if not thousands of times already. We're going to be okay. We're going to be good. What do you know? We, we start making our way down, and we land safe and sound. Everything's good. We get to the airport, grab some McDonald's, and we're good to go. <laughs> But you know, that whole time, my mom was scared. She was nervous. And what made it worse was the negative voices that were in her head, the negative voices that were, that were telling her things that, she, that, that, that weren't even true. And I think so many times, if we're going to be completely honest, we find ourselves in that exact same place. We find ourselves in this journey of life. The truth is this, is that you're on a journey. God is taking you places. But my question is to you today, are you allowing the negative voices of maybe other people or things come into your ear and still fear and hold you back from everything that God is calling you? Or would you dare, my friends, 
to say today's the day that I'm going to dare to step in and trust the one who's in control. I'm going to trust the one who is the pilot of my life. I'm going to trust the one who knows it all and holds it all. Would you dare to do that? Because I'm telling you today that people are going to run their mouths. They're going to hold you back from, from the things that God has for you. I'm telling you today, man, God has amazing things planned out for you. He has amazing things planned out to, for you. And today's the day that we stop. We put a stop to the enemy, the lies, the evil thoughts, the things that are holding us back from our destiny and where God is taking you. Today's the day that we put a stop to all that. But today's also the day, I want to encourage you with this, that we start trusting and looking to our Savior, our Creator, the one that loves you, the one that cares for you. Today's the day that we start putting our trust in the one who knows it all and in the one who holds it all. I had a wise person tell me one day, say, hey, Mauricio, why are you so worried about your future if your trust is in the one who holds it? I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess I'm not trusting. <laughs> I had to take a moment and be honest with myself, man. Am I really trusting in God? Am I trusting him with not only the future, but with the now? And I want to leave you with this. And I want to encourage you with this today. Let God bring joy to your journey. Let God bring joy to your journey. I don't know where you find yourself this morning. Where you're at in life. What it looks like. Maybe it's kind of rocky. Maybe it's kind of steep. But can I say... God wants to bring joy to your journey. He wants to bring joy to your life. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.